Hey everybody, and welcome back to Retromancer Episode 4. I'm Nate. And I'm Steve. So, do we have any good news since last episode, Steven? Oh yeah, so we uh, went ahead and we're now on Apple Podcasts, so you pretty much can enjoy us on uh, whichever of your podcasting services you prefer. So Nathan, uh, last week we talked about the Corp Decks. What are you thinking about, uh, what are some of the rudder decks or archetypes you've been enjoying now that we've kind of come back to the game? Um, man, rudder decks are, rudder decks are so different from corp decks. Uh, maybe it's because there's fewer factions, um, but it definitely feels like you sort of have, you sort of have the faction identity and sometimes they're like comboed around the, uh, they're, they're comboed around the specific runner identity, but a lot, like at least, I don't know, at least now, you know, you when you're playing as Corp, you feel like you're like, I'm playing against an Anarch. I don't feel like I'm particularly playing. Well, I mean, I guess you are playing against a specific ID too, but um, you, you see a lot of the same stuff. You can expect a lot of the same things. Like, for example, uh, Breaker Suite. Um, you can expect um certain things about their breaker suite given the faction that they are so interesting given that i actually kind of want to talk just a little bit about factions and then identities and then maybe um specific decks okay cool um so so we started playing uh startup and uh, just exploring the factions a little bit. And uh, I, I definitely developed some impressions um, kind of to begin with. Like, for example, um, sure. Rezeki is a good card. It turns out, actually. Oh. Rezeki's probably, I think, maybe I'm wrong, uh, one of the best economy cards in all of Startup. It's so crazy. And I compared it to um, Smart, Smart smartware distributor something like that it's that okay. neutral resource that um gives you one credit per turn but uh you you click to put three on it um yeah. and i liked that card i was like wow this is great this is like marked accounts but it's neutral um but it's just crazy how influential just being able to get one credit per turn for no work is although you know Rizeki also comes at a super high cost of taking up your memory so that's interesting so yeah that's one thing um you wanna before we go on yeah. just say what Rizeki is in case oh, someone's uh, right. forgotten about so, it. So Rizeki is a two cost program that just gains you a credit at the start of your turn and it's non unique. And it's in the shape perfection. Yeah. And it only costs one influence? Yes, only one influence. I just checked. Uh so that's pretty cool. I think it is interesting that you would think that influence is kind of the major reason why it wouldn't be splashing in other factions, but it turns out actually it's the memory usage that kind of keeps mm -hmm. it uh balanced from other factions splashing it too much which i think is really cool um and then in anarchs uh you've got a couple uh a couple different pieces kind of bouncing around i think some of their more important power cards are botulus um mm -hmm. is super powerful uh and you see that a lot um oh and i guess uh anarchs other really important power card is a simul chip uh which is basically like the old clone chip and you can expect to see that in a lot of Anarch decks. Uh, it just recurs a program, uh, but it has an additional cost of requiring you to destroy one if one hasn't been destroyed this turn. Uh, that's a Shaper card. <laughs> is it a Shaper card, though? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's an Anarch card that says you have minus two influence, it's basically. An, it's an Anarch. <laughs> it's a it's a Shaper card in every Anarch deck and is very fundamental yeah. to the uh, to the work of Anarchs. Probably, I think it's kind of funny because I think they tried to nerf Clone Chip and in doing so, they just made it less useful for everyone except the people that use it extensively, which is Anarchs. And it's actually just yeah. as easy for Anarchs and it's harder for criminals. So it, it that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and the reason you're saying that is because it's got a little extra clause on it. So it previously, Clone Chip just said, right, like, trash, install a program from your heap, right? Yeah, and you would sacrifice you itself to install cost. a program, yeah. And uh, the new symbol chip is a one-cost hardware that says, if no installed programs have been trashed this turn, 
you must trash one installed program as an additional cost to use this hardware. And it's got a little kicker. You trash it, and it says install one program from your heap, and you pay three credits less to install it. So, so it's actually it's better for Anarchs because they have yeah, a lot so of this, they have a lot of disposable programs. Yeah, or things that they need to recharge, so they gladly would trash the thing they're just about to reinstall. But you could do that with this card. Sure. Well, trash it. yeah, yeah. There's this like weird. There's this really weird text where if um you you can pay the cost of trashing something um you can then uh for example imp um if i have an imp installed um and nothing has been trashed i can trash my imp to pay that cost and then use and then continue resolving the symbol chip to reinstall my imp but i can only do this if i have a program in my heap already um yes. because you need to have a valid target to theoretically have recurred I don't know. It's really weird. I don't really like how that works out, but um, it's sure. a, little, a little gimmicky. But uh, oftentimes it'll let the runner, you know, reinstall the same program as yeah. long as you meet that little condition. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's cool. That's a really great point about uh, symbol chip being a lot stronger than the previous card, even if it has a more restrictive text on it. Right. It's like <laughs> it feels like they nerfed it for everyone but anarchs. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, and then We're, there's, I don't know, um, I guess uh, Leech is also, you see a lot of Leech, although it's kind of funny, you probably see it less in, in Anarchs than you do in uh, in like criminal decks. Um, and then another thing you can expect from the Anarchs a lot of the time is they have their own um, new breaker suite. So one of the big changes that they made in, or they're moving towards, is is rebalancing the way ice works. And so focusing more on number of subroutines than on uh, strength of ice. And that allowed them to print Anarch Breakers that um, have a more distinct strength and a more distinct weakness. In general, they can break lots of subroutines for cheaper, but they boost. It's a lot more difficult to boost. And so Leech and Ice Carver become really important tools. And so Anarchs can be very good at breaking multiple subroutines if that's the way they want to go. Um, but they're going to have to have a more elaborate rig to deal with it. Um, which is pretty cool. I like that a lot. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't get broken. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, I don't feel like it does right now. Like, uh, a lot of their breakers just say break two subroutines for, is it one or two money? And then, you know, two to three costs to increase one strength. So you generally need support for that. It's going to be way too pricey. Yeah. To just yeah. be boosting all the time. It makes Ice Carver feel a lot better too. Uh, a lot more necessary and a lot more valuable, which is which is really cool. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've always really liked Ice Carver and it kind of just became... Also, um, important note is that uh, Ice Carver does combo very nicely with um, Chisel. Whereas before, um, it felt like when... when Parasite used to combo with Data Sucker. There was really no need for Ice Carver um, since you could just be making runs. And so now that Chisel does not combo with Leech, uh, but it does combo with Ice Carver, it also gives a bit of power to Ice Carver, which is really cool. So Chisel's in this obviously significantly nerfed compared to Parasite situation, but um, there are a couple of cards, in particular uh, Cookbook and um ice carver kind of give it plus two strength from zero so now you can insta kill anything with uh two or less strength and that feels pretty good to me i think um or um technically you can you can face check the ice multiple times to build up the chisel stacks after you've played the chisel as well uh and still get the trash in so that's kind of interesting i i really disliked chisel at first and i'm starting to kind of realize these combos that sort of make it work now. Yeah, and you can use chisel on those breakers that can't boost because if you could just need to drop them by one strength, chisel will do it that first time. That's true, and that kind of reminds me of uh, what the idea. It, it, it's this paradox that anarchs always find themselves in, where it's like, here's this thing that can destroy stuff, but you need to be able to break it first um mm. and now i have this paradox of like well if i can already break it then why am i going through all the work to destroy it uh generally i want to destroy it because i can't break it so 
why are we designing cards that are forcing me to be able to deal with it first? And this reminds me of um, the cutlery events, right? Yeah. Which were, uh, the idea was it was like, you can break it, but you're going to save money by using this cutlery. But that wasn't, that wasn't a strong enough use case to justify including it in people's decks until they figured out how to use it with David. <laughs> and, then it was, and it worked perfectly with David, right? Because David was a, a limited use tool. Um, and so it kind of fits into that same sort of idea, uh, the scenario you described, though it still, I think, works really well. And especially since you're already using probably Ice Carver in that package anyway, then it, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Wow. Uh, what about criminals, though? All right. So I'm trying to think of criminal, like really good criminal cards. Um, I really like, uh, okay, so what, what you see a lot of is bravado and tread lightly an inside job would be my other one i'm sorry i got thinking about too uh yeah inside job's a good card um do, ha, no wait no i haven't seen a single inside job well, I guess I only play against you. You've yeah. never played Inside Job against me. <laughs> well, I don't normally. I don't normally play criminal. And so I've I, never I, played Inside Job against you. In fact, or at least I'm sorry in the in the new in the new Nisei stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's legal. It was in the system update that they so they they brought Inside Job back. Ah, uh, sure. So yeah, I would say uh, I would say I would say criminals got the power cards. Bravado's a really powerful card. Um. I was a little confused as to how Bravado worked at first. It's three cost, make a run, after the run, gain six uh, credits, plus one for each ice you passed. And so I originally was under the impression that it was like Dirty Laundry. It required you to succeed in order to get the money, but that's not how it works at all. Um, you just straight up get the six dollars uh, credits and... Um, so you can just you can you can just face check with it like whatever you're still getting your money you just have less money during the run, um, and if the they don't res the ice that's additional money for you, uh, which is pretty cool. So I see I'm starting to see now why a lot of decks are are running that card, um, and it seems solid like it's a solid run event yeah. card. It works well with prepaid. Um, Tread lightly I would say is actually a really powerful um, threat card. Uh, yeah, I've seen people trying it with like Reina and stuff, but um, it's also just like kind of a surprise. Like it'll it'll mess with your math if you're doing a uh, if you're doing a like a remote push in like a Rush Wayland deck. Um, mm -hmm. And what is I think it costs? I think Tread Lightly costs three. Is that right? No, it um, only costs one. Oh it it costs one and it increases the cost of each ice they're going to res by three. One so cost, run any server. During that run, the res cost of each ice is increased by three. And that that's every yeah. ice, right? And so yeah, even if they do just res to end the run, I mean, a lot of times it's been like I had a like a palisade for two, um, which isn't a very good ice, but it's two, so who cares, right? And then uh, now it's a five and it's like, oh, jeez. I can't afford to try to keep you out here, especially if the runner can get in. Or get through that first ice, you know, when you're in the situation where they mm -hmm. got two breakers and they can't get through that third ice and now you have to pay an extra nine. It's um, it's too much. Yeah. And uh, also security testing was interesting um, where you can get money for running servers, uh, central servers, but you don't breach. You get the two credits so you can stack it with things like Bravado or Dirty Laundry to make extra money, but you yeah. just don't access cards that time or penny so it's kind shaver. Of another, it works really yeah, well penny, penny shaver. shaver is a big deal yeah. and the big thing is is that you can put it on any server too so um it was commonly really really famously used against uh remote open remotes decks um punishing yeah. punishing open remotes pretty heavily i should make like a penny shaver uh hoshiko dream net deck uh, draw cards, make money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, that sounds really weird. Yeah. Well, and then I guess that kind of leads us right into you. Kind of gave us a little background on what you thought was strong with the factions. What were some of the IDs you've really liked that between the system gateway startup and ashes ashes cycle? Um, yeah. So, uh, so the one ID that I really wanted to experiment with a lot was Renee Loop. 
Arsamont? Mm-hmm. Is it Archimont? Archimont. Arsamont. I don't know. Sounds French, so I'm going to go with Arsamont. Uh, <laughs> and his ability is is really cool. And it's. I think the interesting thing is, is it's probably not his ability that interests me as much as Carnivore interests me because I love the idea mm-hmm. of arbitrarily trashing cards. And I really like the idea of that coming at a pretty high cost. And so Rene balances that out and he just ends up being kind of like a more aggressive uh, Edward Kim, you know, where um, in particular, I think I, I like the idea, you know, there's this idea of Anarch trashing everything. I'm going to get in there. And I'm going to trash everything, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that's 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 cool. But that's not a world we want to live in where people can do that. Um However, the ability to trash, for example, combo pieces is super good. So if your opponent is sitting on like a punitive counter-strike win con and you get in there and manage to use your imp or your carnivore to trash their combo pieces, um, that's a big deal. Uh, that's that's really yeah. powerful. And so I, I really love that idea. And I experimented a little bit with a couple different loop decks. Um, one thing I discovered about Anarchs is they are just like kind of poor and that's kind of okay um like uh we were playing a game and you had a gold farmer that i had put a botulus on and you kept installing sand sands behind it and then i would install imp and then i would run on like three credits use the three credits on the outermost ice then break the gold farmer with botulus which would cause me to lose money but i didn't have any which normally means i can't do anything with the thing inside the server but i had imp and i could trash it for free and so it was almost like i didn't have any money but i didn't need any money um and i did read an, an uh it was a deck uh it was a deck by someone where they 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 said y- you need to be poor uh was it uh, cable carnage's hoshiko deck uh where he said basically you can be poor and that's fine because the corp can't really punish you for being poor, except for with like punitive right now. Yeah. And that's uh cool. I I do kind of like that a little bit actually. I you know originally one of the fundamentals of Netrunner was that it is a money battle between the corp and the runner, but it kind of edged out a lot of run like like part of the Anarch faction was like I'm poor but I don't care. And then you just like couldn't play that way um, because you like run poor and you get killed, you know, by snares or sea scorch or whatever. And so um, I know it kind of also runs this risk in the game design sphere of if people don't care about money, then like what's to stop them from, you know, what what's going to force them to follow the rules of the game at all? uh and i know that is a bit of a risk but i think it's definitely one that we can handle um mm-hmm. w- ways to uh w- ways to you know keep the runners out and punish the runners when, when they don't have money that doesn't just basically be an entire win con unto itself interesting right and i think the i think you're right about that that was a really good analysis by the the person that made that deck where you know there's not a ton of cards that care about money that'll punish you right now and i think that's kind of cool the formats the startup format you know it's totally different in standard um but we're not really we're not we're not dipping our toes in that water yet so <laughs> i mean um, I, I i opened the door and listened outside and i heard it was just 419dex still since i left the game like two years ago so i just closed the door and uh smile smiled and walked away <laughs> uh, that's funny oh, Another uh was it uh Zaya kind of jumping over the criminal uh system gateway ID where when you run HQ or R and D with her, once a turn you can gain money equal to the number of cards you access. So, you know, if you're just single accessing, that's only one credit. But when you do things like Maker's Eye or Inside Job or Docklands Pass and you see more than one card, then you're getting a refund. And then if you stack it with Penny Shaver to, you know other abilities like dirty laundry so that you're getting a lot of money for doing a run maybe yeah uh, I, th- I think her ability is super cool and i think she fits very neatly into like i'm the versatile criminal um i think it yeah. is cool how her ability does kind of work with 
I'm going for multi-access and it also works with I'm just trying to run a lot. Um, maybe not because her ability rewards her for running a lot, like every single, like um, multiple times in a single turn. But if you're building a package, I think more what it does is if you're building a, a, a deck that runs I'm going to run a lot sort of package, then her mm-hmm. ability combos really nicely with that. And honestly, how much you run is going to vary pretty significantly with what type of corp you're facing. Um, so that's pretty cool. Actually, just uh, you, you were talking about cards that were like faction power cards. And Docklands Pass is definitely one of Criminal's power cards. That card is so exceptional. Um, oh, yeah. Compared to HQ Interface, too. So Docklands Pass costs two, and it allows you to access an additional card the first time you make a run on HQ each turn. Um, HQ interface allowed you to access two cards every time you ran HQ, but it costs four. And for that reason, it costs so much money that almost nobody played it. Um, But then in those situations where someone did play it and they had like a sneak door, um, and then they ran like three times accessing two cards each time, I mean, it was like a blowout on your whole hand. Yeah. Um, and so I like how they kind of tone down that top level power level while also making the card more accessible so you can expect it in a lot more decks. Um, and I think that's good yeah. because that's a really nice piece of HQ pressure that criminals should have access to. And the the other thing I was going to add, uh, the other runners that are kind of in the expanded uh, pool with the criminals where you've got Ken uh, express Tenma, the clone who the first time you do a run event, you get a credit. So that's another one that plays in with all those events. And then Steve Cambridge, the, the kind of a criminal runner where whenever you run HQ for the first time, you get to choose two cards, in your discard pile and the corp has to pick which one you get back and which one they remove from the game. So it's I- kind of a very, He's a he's a really weird ID, uh, and I thought I was like I have no idea how I'm going to use this until somebody played against me and they just account siphoned me twice, and then they just picked both account siphons. They're like, which one do I get back? And I'm like, to your hand? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. So super his, good. His ability is super good. Um, it is. I I just I don't even know how to I don't even know how to deal with it like. It's oh yeah, it's it's fun. It, like, it's, and you, you almost need like a yeah. homogenous deck where like all your stuff is like generally the same power level, yeah. uh, because you're like you're not gonna recur like a combo piece, right? Because then they're never gonna pick that. So exactly. unless you, unless you've got a duplicate, but you you re, you know you could bring back a power card. So like in the format right now, you're like okay, well I've got an inside job or a bravado. You're gonna give me money. You're gonna let me get in possibly the server. You know, so there's a lot of cool power cards you could get that could, you know, make a pretty big difference. Hmm. Um, especially if you run things like Sneak Door. So they might ice up HQ a ton and then you're like, well, sorry, I'm still going to trigger my ability right now. Right. Um, yeah, Sneak Door uh, seems then, pretty important. Let's see. The, the, the Anarch decks were interesting because where Loop is kind of... Uh, Almost like an econ rewarding you for trashing things. Uh, the other two IDs are Ketzel, which was she. They uh, basically have uh, break one barrier subroutine, and you can use that ability once a turn for nothing. Uh, zero yeah. credits. So uh, yeah, and that's, a, that's a weird ability. Yeah, I think and it's better. I think it's better than people think it is. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just been too sad to try her since they removed E3 feedback implants from the game, which lets you continue breaking, you know, multi-sub uh, things, you know. I don't think she... Uh, it's tough, man. Yeah. There is some support, like uh, uh, Palangi lets you maybe make a code gate into a barrier. Um, hmm. You can do uh, a greet if you wanted to import that in as well. Egret. Uh, Egret. I always say that wrong. So, um, yes, agreed. <laughs> oh, burned. Uh, and then Rada Roja is the other Anarch one that they kind of brought back, and um, she makes the first corp, uh, the first ice the corp reses a turn cost one more. So, kind of like an econ, yeah. econ um, Roja, 
Roja. It's Re- Roja. It's, it's Spanish for red. Okay. Reina Roja. Yeah. Uh, she's the red queen, you see. That's that's where yep. it comes from. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Reina's pretty cool because she puts a lot of pressure. Um, the uh, You know, the old Reina decks were really multiplicative on that econ denial. Um, I think the most interesting thing about Reina is that you... You look at it compared to all these IDs and like you're like, oh, look at all this value that this can provide. And like Rain is just like a couple credits, you know, like maybe 10 credits over the course of the game. But I think it's really important to remember that it's like when the credit, uh, especially because it's a credit yeah. for the corp to do the thing that's one of the most important things for them to do, which is resing ice. And especially if you're running early and aggressively, it's when they mm-hmm. do not want to be spending that money um, and if you combo it with ice destruction and ice derezzers and stuff like that, you're gonna you're gonna keep cashing in on that ability. And I I feel like Reyna in particular, her ability is a lot better than it seems, and it and it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. Even That's without really good even without the even without the combo pieces of Lamprey and Account Siphon, which really pushed it over the edge. <laughs> we didn't really talk about the Shaper um, from system gateway right now but the two shapers that uh are from system update uh kit is fantastic i've always been a fan and then um i never played with uh aya bios rahim but uh i think she has a really neat ability kind of like a shaper version of uh the what that one andromeda that was the criminal id where you can draw, she get, kind of gets a, an extra hand of cards to look at, uh, and then uh, gets to see six cards, and then you pick four of them, and you put them underneath your ID, and later you can draw the specific card instead of drawing a card from your deck. Yeah. Um, and so it's almost like you get a little bit of extra information or maybe an extra chance to find a combo piece. I mean, basically, kind of neat... so what she is, is um, she's like Andromeda without the gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's kind of interesting because I think, you know, it's funny is for so many years of Netrunner, Netrunner Andromeda was the ID. And she's like one of the mm-hmm. most boring IDs. But just getting those extra four clicks of value um, in the early game, just to get yourself started, especially when the corp is weakest, um, is really what just drove her to the top. She was just, she's consistent. You're getting, Mm -hmm. you get literal just card draw consistency. She's fuel. Like she's just like, have these four extra clicks of card draw at the start of the game, get your rig set up, get your run set up, get whatever you need, pressure on the corp. Um, and Ayla is none of, well, no, I'm sorry, not none of those things. She's some of those things, but not all of them. So she is the deck consistency without, uh, the fuel. And so it makes her seem a lot worse. And it's true. She is, that is a worse Andromeda, which we probably can appreciate. Um, but I think the real key with Ayla is to remember, say, you know, you have these four cards, they're sitting there. It's like you drew those four cards in your starting hand, or more importantly, think like, Hey, I have my starting hand and it's got these five cards in it. And I like these five cards cause I like all the cards in my deck. But if I could draw one card as my first action and I could guarantee what it was, what would I want it to be? Right. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of think of those four extra cards as the top four cards of your deck, right? Because you gotta spend a click to draw them. So when you think economically, it's very similar to that click to draw. Um but you have control over what it is, like a like a scry effect from uh, you know, other card games, magic or whatever, um, deck prediction. So interesting. So she's she's more like she doesn't increase the speed of your deck, but she increases the quality of your draws um be that i need to get my breaker or you know i mean it's weird because you don't get to pick what goes in the in her little ram deck you don't get to pick it's just well you kind of do you draw six cards and then you pick four but you you don't get to be like i want to have my breakers uh or my magnum opus is always available at the start of the game you don't get to pick that unfortunately but um being able to effectively draw a starting hand of 11 cards 
is really powerful. Although it really isn't 11 cards because you you draw the six for the Envy Ram, you, d you put two back in your deck, then you draw your starting hand. So you might duplicate draw those two that you put away. And you don't get to look at the Envy Ram six um, alongside the five from your starting hand. So not quite as good as an 11 card starting hand, honestly. Um, but that's the closest I can compare it to. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, uh, I think we'll talk about Kit when we get into the, the decks that we kind of played that I really enjoyed. Um, but uh, their ability is fantastic, just where uh, the first time you encounter a piece of ice, it gains code gate for the remainder of the run. So, so actually, kind of, yeah. Actually, go ahead. Let's just talk about, let's talk about the, the Kit deck that you've been playing. Um, yeah. So uh, I found a deck exciting. that Koga had made. Uh, where they were using kit uh, and their whole kind of deck archetype was based around an, an event called test run which let you search your deck or your heat for a program and you install it for free but at the end of the round it goes back that program goes on top of your deck and okay. so the plan was to use euler which is in a a code gate that when it comes into play that turd it lets you break code gate subroutines for free and you know that's that's a pretty big cost uh you know decrease and also kit then says well the first code gate uh, first eyesight counter becomes a code gate so you could face check centuries or you can um you know run into something that you normally could get into and that threats there um and then sort of throws in cyber trooper talud that says whatever you install a non-ai ice breaker it gets plus two strength. So those three cards kind of are really neat combo. Uh, plus you've got Chameleon as like a black backup plan. And Chameleon always comes back to your hand after you play it. So you always can break anything. So Chameleon, Chameleon uh, breaks one for one and it's strength three. And when you install it, you pick the type it can break. And then at the end of the turn, it goes back into your hand. And I think it costs uh, two to install? Three to install. Yeah, it's two. No, it's, it's oh. two. No, it is two. I was looking at the strength. Um, it's so good. So chameleon's cool because um, you you have to in, you have to pick the type when you install it. So if you're running blind, uh, you you just have to guess and hope it doesn't get destroyed. Because if it gets destroyed, then you lost one of your important tools. Yeah, and the other thing you could do. Uh, that's why I think Euler is nice in this one because you could test run it out and just run. And if it's only one piece of ice and you haven't encountered any other ice yet, you know you could probably get it uh, because it will become a code gate uh, if it's not already code gate. And then with uh, Aesop's, you could do things later like, well, I'm, I am I don't have a test run, but I can sell this Euler, sorry, this Euler, uh, so it goes in my heap, get a little bit of extra money, and then play it again instant speed with sim simul chip. Uh, which then lets me, uh, you know, if I if I bid run, I could then encounter a uh, a nice make it a code gate, or or in the middle of a run, I could have a nice breaker get trashed, and, and suddenly I could break it if I haven't encountered something else. So you're basically using Euler to break everything with Kit's ability, and yeah. you can run really aggressive early, uh, which is a nice synergy with Chameleon because um, ideally with Chameleon you want the ice to already be rezzed, so you know what type to set the chameleon as when you install it. And Kit forces people to res early just mm -hmm. to try to tax you. Um, yeah. They, you know, you're going to run, you're going to throw Euler down, and you can now get through code gates, and they need two ice to basically stop you. Um, and if you run super aggressively, sometimes they don't have that luxury. Yeah, and also <laughs> it's got tools to kind of give you a little bit more... Uh, it's maybe like more gas where you could play Palangi or uh, Egret. Did I say it right that time? I think it's I think it's Egret. Ah, uh, see, I failed. I failed. It's a uh, bird. Anyway, uh, it's a bird. Uh, it that makes the ice have gate a barrier code gate in Sentry. So both of those and Palangi lets you for once a run, uh, once per turn, you can choose an ice subtype and give it to the ice you're encountering. So it's both ways to make things retroactively to code gates. 
once they've been rezzed or once you encounter them. And then your and then your oiler for that turn is going to be like five strength because of Cyber Trooper to loot. Yeah, and then you hopefully are getting it. But the downside to this deck was once you start stacking tons and tons of ice, or um, I've just made so many runs that I I no longer can cycle the oiler that I'm going to just slowly not be able to get into servers or only make a run once a turn uh, because I don't have enough tools to keep playing it over and over again. Or uh, There's only one chameleon, so you can't have two chameleons going, hopefully breaking things. Or install chameleons at instant speed from your hand or from another resource. Sure. So one of the um, interesting things I see with deck design um and it is kind of faction based although i've kind of noticed the dichotomy within factions as well is um you you have this sort of run frequency economy element to your deck design um where you can run efficiently for example uh like the deck you're describing uh you can throw down your oiler it's really strong for one turn and um and it doesn't take a lot of uh rig space in memory wise um and so you can break really efficiently but there are a lot of conditions to how that works and they're limited in use so what that means is you can't run a lot um but what it does mean is you could produce high quality runs and so Mm -hmm. if i knew that about a person's deck what that would basically mean is that they have to run remotes primarily um, because the the nature of the servers in Netrunner is such that, you know, R&D is like a mixed bag. Um, it's random. You don't know. The runner doesn't know. The corp doesn't know what the quality of the cards are in there. Um, over the course of the game, depending on how effective the corp has been able to score out agendas... HQ may or may not become more dense with agendas over the course of the game. And okay. then when it comes to remote servers, it's it's always something, right? Like, the corp installs something in a remote server because it's something they want to do something with, right? I mean, there's a couple of bluffs as well, but um, uh, when, when, you're, when you're looking at a runner deck and you're looking at how am I going to get the most out of the way I run... You say, well, you're not going to be able to make a lot of runs. Okay, then that means you're going to be running remote servers because remote servers are kind of the whole, all the cards get filtered down. You're never going to run into a hedge fund in a remote server, right? You're always going to, you're never going to run into a piece of ice. It's always going to be an asset, an upgrade, or an agenda. Um, And if you choose carefully, it's going to be, whatever it is, it's going to be a critical card uh, of some kind, a clearinghouse or an economy card or an agenda or whatever. Um, And so this deck uh works to run efficiently um and make runs that are are meaningful runs run run the remote server destroy the thing inside of it um very carefully and effectively but it comes at the uh it has this downside of it can't run often yeah and the other other part of it is it's sort of like a backup help to try to maybe find agendas is it has a docklands pass and a conduit so Docklands okay. Pass we talked about earlier, where you might maybe I only run HQ once a turn, but I'm seeing two cards. Sure, um, increase the, and then, increase the quality. Yeah, and hopefully Conduit is giving me deeper and deeper runs into your R&D to maybe find some agendas. I think Conduit's really interesting because it probably fits the the worst into the whole idea. It feels like you on the whole deck idea. It seems like you'd probably yeah. be better off with like a Maker's Eye. Um, where you don't have to commit so much because you don't know if you're going to, you know, how your runs are going to go. That's a really good point. Um, or the other thing is, uh, there's the one shaper event. Is it, uh, Yushk? I always say that's Hush- another one I get. Hushuk. Hushuk. Hush- Hush- because you have... Isn't that how, uh, isn't that how, uh, Metropole, um, says it? Yeah, I think so. What's but his name? because oh, no. you have so many two-cost things with the Rezekis and the DMZ, DZMZ optimizers, uh, you might be able to Andre. make it really effective. Sorry, yes, I, Andre. I, I couldn't remember his name, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> he always calls it Hushuk. That's, that's, that's how it is in my mind now. Okay. 
but but you could use those two cost programs and hardware to like you make that one run you see six cards yeah and totally one of them is the agenda yeah totally that makes that makes complete sense that's actually even better than maker's eye honestly um so another thing about kit i would say is and and this is very this fits well with the inside job criminal thing is that when you threaten to camp a remote uh and you say hey look you can expect like it's printed on my id i can get into servers easier uh it makes the corpse scared and it slows the game way down and that allows you to do things like spend time building up your rig and your economy uh slowly right so you can throw down those rezekis now um because you don't have to worry about them trying to rush an an agenda out behind a single piece of ice because they're scared to do so and so it allows you to play for a longer a longer term game plan uh, and you can build your deck around that with that knowledge, knowing you're going to be able to pull off a longer game simply because your ID threatens, you know, scares the corp into playing more slowly. Which is one of those fear synergies, you know? Oh. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a really uh, a great point between criminal like uh, Kit is kind of like giving sort of like kind of a, some criminal power into the shaper faction and i guess the that's why she's taxed a little bit with 10 influence instead of oh yeah you know 15 i i remember i used to think about all the things i could have done with kit back in the day and i'm like you know i should run kit with three account siphons that would really abuse her ability oh no doesn't work <laughs> doesn't work unfortunately um yeah I know we've been talking a lot yeah, but good. uh do we have time for one more or do we want to call it Oh man, uh, we're at f- we're at forty minutes. Let's do it. I do I do want to talk about another one real quick. What else do we got? So there was the uh, Sir Lothig deck, uh, the Sneaky Boys Don't Gamble, which was the Az deck. Oh man, that deck was so cool. So what is it? Yeah. Well, that was a uh, Az McCaffrey uh, deck. Uh, where uh, his his ability says the first job resource connection resource or piece of hardware you install each turn costs one less. Hardware costs and, one less. Got it. Yeah, and he then ran a ton of hardware. Uh, and the the big kind of features of the deck is prognostic Q loop, and where uh, the first time each run you can look at your top two cards, and then uh, it's a paid ability, one credit. You can reveal the top card of your stack. And you can install that card if it's a program or piece of hardware. So you can, if you know it's a program you need, you can just throw it out, play it out. Or if it's another hardware, you play it and it's cheaper. Uh, But that's not all because you run Masterwork, which says that uh, it's his hardware, his console, that says the first time each turn you install a piece of ice, sorry, install a piece of hardware, draw a card. And whenever a run begins, you may install a piece of hardware paying one more, which kind of counteracts his discount. Sure. Yeah. So that's his. Uh, that's his arm, right? Yeah. Is what his Master arm is his console. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love how they just keep putting consoles into interesting things in Netrunner. It's absolutely yeah. one of my favorites. So <laughs> you go. We got the old. Put it in your stuffed animal. I yep. like that. Uh, but it's I like motorcycle. <laughs> it's your motorcycle. I like the one for. Uh, it's your gloves. Your your yep. gloves or your console, like this haptic feedback sort of thing. Yep. Uh, and now Az has a robotic arm, and then his robotic arm is also his console. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, probably the silliest one was the professors, the monolith. Just, you know, my, my uh, console is a apartment building, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. All right, so the real key here to this deck idea is the prognostic Q loop because this card is so wacky. I didn't really understand what it does. So you can look at the top two cards of your deck and then for one credit as an instant paid ability, you can install the top card of your deck, right? So If it's a hardware or program, yeah. So like this got me when we were playing against this, when we were pl- you were playing this against me, you got me a number of times where I'm like, cool, he doesn't have a breaker. And I raise my eyes and you go, ha ha, the top deck of my card of my deck is the breaker I need. And then yeah. you install it and I'm like, what? Or um, 
It could also be a boomerang. Obviously, yep. uh, that boomerang's obviously a super good card, but in particular, boomerang I think is designed to work with the prognostic Q loop and as deck. And you say, hey, cool, I'm just going to install the card I need now. Um, and then it goes back into your deck, so you can keep doing that with it. So it's a real sneaky trick that he can do. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah. I love that. I think the thing you really liked was that he also packaged uh, Sir Lothig packaged a bunch of stealth breakers and mantle was the the stealth program that gave you credit to use hardware programs. Sure. So the stealth package works really nicely because it's a lot of cheap programs and hardware. Yeah. I'm thinking of a and, and, penumbral toolkit. That's a hardware, right? No, that one's actually a resource. Uh, but it it costs. It's a a resource that's a stealth resource. That Got it. says, and, and uh, then it has stealth credits on it. Yeah, and then you can use them for anything though. Uh, during a run, so they sure. could pay for programs. They could pay for hardware installs with the masterwork. They could pay for like other additional costs. Like trashing things or stealing things. Sure, and then uh, and then he's able. Okay, so the and then the thing that really got me was that um, because I, I feel like from a meta perspective, uh, we've got these glacier decks that work on on relying on this caprice effect of of anoetic void, right? So yeah, anoetic void is a super good card um, that can the runner gets in and you can end the run with this upgrade by discarding two cards from your hand. Um, and so it makes it really hard to kill, um, because it protects itself and you were able, since you're running this deck, that's just installing lots of hardware sneakily. You can run, uh, th uh that one card that counters that uh, what's lucky charm, right? So, yeah. uh, lucky charm just says, uh, prevent and end the run effect, but you can only use this if you've ran HQ this turn. Um, and so uh you were able to do like tricky things like you would install you would install with prognostic q loop uh mid run after having run hq and then uh you know i wouldn't be able to use anoetic to end the run yeah. and it's also a kind of fun little thing because it works on end the run ice even so you right. can just do weird anything things that ends where, the run yeah or even I mean, would you be able to use it to get around like a um, toll booth? I think so. The other one that was interesting is it got around the uh, uh, the HB uh, uh, Manigram Skunk Works as well. Ma main you Garm. Be like, main Garm. Ah, another another card I can't pronounce correctly. Uh, but that one basically says whenever the rudder approaches the server, they have to pay two clicks or pay five money to continue, or you end the run. And then you've got your lucky charm that's like, nope, I'm Cancel. not going to pay anything. Cancel the end the run. And that works, that works really good because some of those Glacier decks are running both Mangarm Skunk Works and Anoetic Void. Yeah. Um, well, and they force and you to Rush pay decks the are running them. Are they? Sure. Yes. The, yeah, there's even Rush decks that, the, with uh, the one HB ID that recurs cards. That's well, the other idea that's doing that a lot. And I think I was even running a Wayland deck that has that uh, that that uh, upgrade that ends the run if you don't pay money per advanced ice. Uh, the Kayambe. Kayambe. Yeah. Grid. Yeah. Uh, whenever the runner approaches the server, end the run unless they pay two for each advanced piece of ice protecting the server. So that's pretty good. I'm a big fan of Lucky Charm. I felt like it didn't really do as well as people expected it to when it first came out so i was pleased to find that it kind of had a home yeah that was fun so was we've got so we've got this criminal now who's kind of like this uh sort of disposable light rig builder kind of like uh kind of like you know some 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 anarchs and even some shapers are um and mm -hmm. that was definitely something distinctly missing from criminals that really i think needed to exist I think it it wanted to be part of their color pie, right? Criminals are like the techie hardware guys, especially yeah. because um, I think one of the qualities of criminals in particular are that they are disconnected from the net. So they're, they're the most distrusting of the internet, right? So a lot of them are naturals. They don't have a, a BMI brain machine interface. Um, 
and it's because they don't trust the internet, right? They're they're the people who everyone should be afraid of on the internet and they know what bad people can do. So they obviously don't trust the internet themselves. And so they're not gonna integrate themselves. And for that reason, they got all these cool little techie gadgets, uh, you know, like James Bond stuff because they don't want to, you know, they're not hooked up to the internet so they can't just write a program for everything. Yeah, like uh, the, what was the original criminal ID? Gabe? He was a cyborg. Yeah. Similar to that, where he was just like, I'm going to get into HQ and just get money because I'm just a criminal. Just like another take on it, too. Just uh, I'm just a mean man. Oh, man. Give me your money. That idea was so good. I miss Gabe so much. I made so many weird decks with him. With uh, Pheromones. That was, my, that was my favorite card with Gabe. That's a throwback right there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and I, do you feel like Steve is the closest thing to Gabe right now? Just because it, he wants you to specifically run HQ and he gets you some... Or it's just because his ability is just very different. It's not just straight up money. Steve and Gabe it's are very crazy. different. Um, okay. I mean, ultimately, I mean, Steve gives you cards back and you could be like, get me back my sure gamble, um, which is good. Uh, I don't really understand Steve very well. He's a little bit of a weirdo to me. Um, Gabe was very simple. I think uh, Zaya is probably the closest thing we have where she's just like, hey, I'm going to run your servers. You... The one thing you know when you see my face, I'm gonna run your servers, right? And that's that's how True. Gabe was as well, uh, except for it was HQ specifically. So I think she's probably closer than Steve is, even though Steve's ability mm -hmm. is is more similar. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I haven't really seen a lot of people play Steve. I think it, it's very interesting. There's some cool, uh, very cool runner ideas right now, even though it's a limited card pool. So I like, I kind of like where we are, and I'm hoping that you know, uh, Petzl or uh, I like get, maybe get some, some cool combo cards that might maybe bring them, buff them a little bit more so they see a little bit more play. Yeah, I think uh, Ketzel in particular is a bit of a tough ID to crack. People haven't really sort of figured out what to do yeah. with them. Well, I'm, you know, Hopefully, someone out there will figure it out, and then we'll all copy that. We'll net that deck, <laughs> that deck, the crap out of that uh, deck, and give it a try. We'll, we'll respect their work by copying it. Yes. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, is it not? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. Next, maybe, maybe, hopefully, by next time, I think we can, we can try to have some of our own deck ideas put together. I'd really like to. Uh, I'm really getting to the point now where I feel like I'm understanding the card pool a lot better and I can start experimenting with my own deck ideas. Yeah, I would love to do that. Talk about the the jank I'm trying and the very highly efficient, awesome decks you're building. <laughs> All my most efficient decks were just copied by someone else and I swapped out combo pieces. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. But... <laughs> All right. That's great. Well, uh. Guess about does that for this episode. We're probably running low on time here. Anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody.